Welcome to Living the Bible Together. This is Dr. Troy Shaw, pastor of the Liberty Hill Church, internationally headquartered in Columbus, Ohio, located at 4410 Refugee Road. We worship here online Sundays at 11 a.m. We celebrate communion on the first Sunday of each month. Our Bible study is on Wednesdays at 7 o'clock p.m. For additional information, log on to livingthebibletogether.org. Join us here weekly as we're living the Bible together through education, missions, and ministry. Liberty Hill, living the Bible together through education, missions, and ministry. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for another chance to hear your word, your word that blesses us, teaches us, and guides us. As our hearts and minds are tuned to hear what you have for us on this day, we ask in the name of Jesus that this message motivates us to know without a shadow of a doubt that your love for us is unconditional and that because of your love for us, we have been chosen to be with you forever. It is up to us to accept the invitation. All this I ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. At the beginning of our broadcast each week, we say that we, Liberty Hill, are living the Bible together through missions, ministry, and education. Our message today comes from the Gospel of Matthew. It is from one of the many parables that can be found in his Gospel. We recognize that there may be people listening to this broadcast that are unchurched, that are new to the church, and maybe there are some people, young and old, that are not familiar with the word parable. While preparing the message for today, I asked several people to define the word parable as it relates to the Bible. One person was honest enough to say they didn't know. Another person said, oh, they're just stories. Others said that they were stories that the disciples used to talk to people. Some of the people I asked had been a member of a church for many, many years. Some were new members, and some had no relationship at all with the church. This was a reminder to me that sometimes we assume that everybody knows what we are talking about. We assume that just because we know the definition and the correct pronunciation of the words in the Bible, so do those who are listening to us. So parables are what Jesus used to teach lessons. He taught in parables so that the hearers would not automatically understand what he was saying. Some of the parables used realistic situations, but also made them, the hearers, use their imaginations. Jesus used some parables to reveal mysteries to those on the inside while concealing the truth to those on the outside who would not hear. He used parables and stories to teach us about the kingdom of God. A parable compares two things that may have multiple meanings. Parables have also been described as earthly stories with heavenly meanings. The lesson that would have been conveyed to the listeners were used to bring about a change of mind, or better yet, a change of heart in the hearer. It was hard for the hearer of a parable to ignore what was being taught. Sometimes the message was radical, but you can't hear a parable and remain neutral. You either accept or reject act or fail to act on what has been presented. The lesson could either be religious or ethical. 
Parables that were taught by Jesus dealt with the grace of God and his compassion toward the marginalizing sinners, discipleship, or the challenge to those who would enter into God's reign. These tactfully conveyed lessons led hearers to reflect on Jesus' words and to take responsibility for the decision to accept or reject his claim. Our parable for today comes from Matthew 22, verses 1 through 14. It is the parable of the marriage dinner, sometimes called the parable of the great supper. So let's see what lesson we can learn from this parable. Let's hear again verses 1 through 14. And Jesus answered and spake unto them again by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king which made a marriage for his son and sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding and they would not come. Again, he sent forth other servants saying, Tell them which are bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner My oxen and my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready. Come unto the marriage. But they made light of it and went their ways, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. And the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth, and he sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. Then saith he to his servants, The wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as ye shall find, bid to the marriage. So those servants went out into the highways, and gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and good, and the wedding was furnished with guests. And when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. And he saith unto him, Friend, how camest thou in hither, not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then said the king to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, and take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. The title for today's message is, He Must Have Missed Something. Reading again Matthew 22 Verses 1 through 3, focusing on verse 3. And Jesus answered and spake unto them again by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king which made a marriage for his son. And he sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding, and they would not come. Some missed an opportunity. Every year, on the second Saturday of July, there's a Southfield reunion. It's always held at the Marion Franklin Recreation Center in the open field area. Both current and former families come and spend the entire day together. You can set up a tent, barbecue grill, tables, games, and whatever you wanted. Anyone who had ever lived in Southfield was invited. The first time I went, I saw several people I had not seen since school days. I also saw a lot of the older people who had raised their children in Southfield. Several years had passed before I went to another reunion. My younger brother usually went every year, and he would come back and say, so-and-so asked about you. Or he would say, everybody asked where the Harrison girls were. 
Each year, he would remind us of the date, but we would ignore the invitation. Each year that I didn't go, I missed an opportunity to see people I had grown up with. I missed an opportunity to reconnect with people who would pass away between each reunion. This was not incentive enough to get me to go back. Here in the text, we see that an invitation has been sent by the king. The invitation was sent to a certain group of people. Just like me, with the invitation to the Southfield reunion, they too refused to attend what had been prepared or set up just for them. This first group most likely would have included the Pharisees, those who knew the law, those who were considered experts in knowing the law and the Jewish customs. They were separated from the other Jews in regards to status, and of course they were separated from the Gentiles. This group of people had been invited to a feast that signified the accepting of Christ as their Messiah, their Savior. They refused the invitation and missed an opportunity to be saved. They missed an opportunity to be a part of the celebration. They missed an opportunity to receive all that had been prepared just for them. You see, when you miss an opportunity, you may have regrets later on. When you miss an opportunity, you may be upset at what others receive. When you miss an opportunity, it may have been your only opportunity. So let's look now at verse 7. But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth, and he sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. Some missed an opportunity, but then some lost their lives. The first group that was invited missed an opportunity. However, this king was a patient man and didn't retaliate at first. Those next to be invited didn't take the invitation seriously. They believed that other things needed to come first. Have you ever heard the saying, don't shoot the messenger? This group did exactly that. They turned on those who came with the invitation. How many times have we been sent a message from the boss through a co-worker or peer and went off? Have you ever had a supervisor leave you a note about something and you got so upset you tore that little note up into so many tiny pieces that you wanted to be able to throw them back at the supervisor just like they were confetti? This group of, un- of invitees lost their lives. When we fail to accept God's invitation, our behaviors may become atrocious, just as these servants had killed this group. There are evil intentions in our hearts, and we fool ourselves into believing our bad behaviors are justified. We fool ourselves into believing it's all about us and what we want. The rejection of an invitation from the king would have been equivalent to being rebellious, and their rebellious actions would cause them to be put to death. Some lost their lives. This king had given invitation after invitation to people until there were no more chances for them to live. They would never get to know his son. 
they would not get another chance to celebrate with the bridegroom. Verse 8 of Matthew 22 reads, Then saith he to his servants, The wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. Some missed an opportunity, some lost their lives, and many were not worthy. The first two groups rejected the king's invitation. The first two groups would not be given the opportunity to change their minds. So now we have others who have been invited. The invitation is now open to anyone who wants to come. This group of people may have been considered the least of the least. It now includes those who were not like the first two groups. The invitation is now available to those who were considered both good and bad. This group would have included the drug addict, the alcoholic, the prostitute, thieves, liars, and many more who we would think were unworthy. These that were considered bad may have been homeless, the disabled. Now, after all, they had to have committed some huge sin for God to punish them and make them crippled, crazy, and or deformed. The text does not tell us who the bad or the good ones were. The good ones may have been the wealthy. They may have had a lot of material possessions, or they may have looked like those in the first two groups. If they were considered good, then why weren't they invited in the first or second group? It was the first two groups that were now considered unworthy by the king. There may be times when we feel that we're not worthy to receive an invitation from the king. We may feel that we don't deserve the blessings that have been laid up for us. We may let others determine what our worth is. It may be family, friends, or maybe total strangers that judge us as worthless. There is no human being, living or dead, who is fit to judge whether we are worthy or not. God is the only one who can judge our worthiness. He knows all about us where we have been, what we have done. When we accept his invitation, he deems us worthy, no matter what others think or say. When we get to verses 11 through 14, it reads thusly, And when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. And he saith unto him, Friend, how camest thou in hither not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then said the king to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, and take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. Some missed an opportunity. Some lost their lives. Many were not worthy, but he was chosen. Many are called, but few are chosen. This parable of the marriage supper tells us that many were called or invited to the banquet. Some outright refused the invitation. Some made excuses. Oh, but then there was one who had accepted the invitation. However, he was not dressed properly. Not being dressed properly, I believe, meant that he came, but he was the same as he was before the invitation. I believe that we are being told that just act, accepting the invitation is not the end. When we accept the invitation, a change should come. 
We can't continue to do the same things we were doing before we received and accepted this invitation. Accepting the invitation is our commitment to do what we've been called to do. We must reject our old way of life and embrace a new way of living, of thinking, and acting. When we accept the invitation, we are presenting ourselves with the willingness to become like clean slates. Our past is being erased and we are being transformed into new creations. Our minds are being renewed. We don't think like we used to. We don't talk like we used to. We don't live like we used to, nor do we act like we used to. We have been chosen to be a part of the celebration that honors the Son. Finally, reading verse 14 again. For many are called, but few are chosen. Some missed an opportunity. Some lost their lives. Many were not worthy. He was chosen. Oh, but then you are chosen. We are chosen. We are the elect of God. As the elect of God, we have certain responsibilities. We are to be authentic in our love for others. We must exhibit the fruits of the Spirit every day. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We must pray for those who spitefully misuse us. We must love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and we must love our neighbors as ourselves. We are to be the best example of Christ that others see. In the parable of the marriage dinner, the king represents God and the son represents Jesus the Christ. There may be times when you felt God calling you, inviting you to accept his invitation. You may have been like the second group who received the invitation, but made excuses for not accepting it. You may have felt you were not worthy. You may have believed that a change needed to happen in your life before you could accept his invitation. There is nothing that you have said or done that will exclude you from being invited. When we hear God's invitation inviting us to the marriage dinner, we must seriously consider whether or not we will accept the invitation. We must not miss the opportunity, for tomorrow may be too late. Joshua 21, 14 through 15 says, Choose ye this day whom you will serve. The invitation has been sent. You have been invited. Choose ye this day whether you will accept or reject your invitation. Amen. you to receive Christ right now. Won't you pray with me? Dear Lord Jesus, I admit that I am a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead to save me. I turn from my sins and invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior as I commit my life to you forever. In Jesus' name, amen. 
If you prayed that prayer, we welcome you into the body of Christ. If you want to know what it's like to be a member of Liberty Hill, just tune back in next next Sunday. Amen? Amen. This has been another broadcast of Living the Bible Together with Dr. Troy Shaw from the Liberty Hill Church, where we worship virtually on Sundays at 11 a.m. For more information or to contribute to this ministry, please visit us online at livingthebibletogether.org. God bless you and have a great week. Liberty Hill, living the Bible together through education, missions, and ministry.